Are there more or less than five countries on the continent of Africa? What's the exact number? How many countries are there on the continent of Africa? Write that number down. Hold your answer in your head. We'll come back to that. And it is relevant to today's business case study number two, where we look at hero pricing going through a recession for a business that I worked with in London, the UK. My name is Jacob Aldridge. I'm an international business advisor and the host of Don't Waste a Good Recession. In today's case study, why we brought back our highest priced product in the middle of a recession in order to sell zero units. A little bit of background for those who aren't familiar with the UK W-shaped recession going through the late noughties and early teens. The UK went through two recessions in that period, the first 2008-2009, the second 2011-2012. That second recession is where this case study took place. A little bit of background of this business, they were a fairly typical high street organization. In their case, they did printing, framing, and had a photography studio in a fairly affluent area of Southwest London. They've done a great job of diversifying for the retail trade and of really building a relationship and a personality with their community. They were much better placed for the retail high street than a lot of businesses that we saw before and certainly since that recession. The work that we did going in and supporting them through that second recession, there was a lot of the standard business work that I do at any point in an economic cycle, but particularly for an organization that has experienced a downturn in revenue and profit. We redo their capacity engine calculations. We run the R&R project to make sure that the roles and responsibilities are very clear to give the business owner the rest and recuperation that they require to lead the organization. We also did some retail sales training with this crew, all in an attempt to increase the average basket size. We knew there were things that could be done to get people spending again, but we saw the fastest and best opportunity to power up the engine that existed within the business was to get existing customers to spend even just a little bit more. And in that regard, the focus of this case study is around the studio pricing, the pricing of the product options in the photography studio, because that was the biggest winner. If we have a look at the average photography studio basket size, what was the average spend of customers coming into that? And that had been slowly increasing heading into that first recession. In 2008-2009, it dropped but then it continued to drop uh, and stagnated through 2010. So when I came into the business, that the consensus of the team was that what they'd experienced in 2007 with the growth was a bit of an anomaly and that people weren't going to spend more money and certainly not until a sustained recovery was going on in the economy. And here we were heading into another recession. So what solutions had this business attempted in that belief pattern around average basket size in the photography studio? Well, a few things, and unlike case study number one, I, I think all of these were good ideas with the one exception which we turned around. So they redesigned the studio, they opened up some of the space, they made it more visible on street, they incorporated it better into their marketing and their cross sales activity with the community. They implemented some lower cost options so that people could come in, spend less money. And of course they saw that as being the avenue people might come in feeling they would buy one of the new lower cost options and then would upsell themselves into a mid-sized package. They removed 
their highest priced package. And I remember the space that they had. It was a fantastic space where they had on display what you got in a whole lot of the different packages. And they had removed the highest price package, put some of the lower cost options up on the wall in that space. And when I asked them why, the answer was very simple. Because we never sell any of them. We sold a few 2007, 2008 before the recession. People aren't buying the most expensive option. So we stopped putting it up there. We stopped wasting our space advertising it. So what did I do? What did I recommend? Well, as we said, the capacity engine calculations are in our projects and sales training. The number one thing I recommended was that they stick that hero product, the priciest option that they have back, give it pride of place in their marketing wall and put that there. Now, why would I do that? Why would I take a product that they hadn't sold that was completely counter-cyclical? It was a boom era product. And why would I recommend that they waste valuable marketing space on a product that even I thought they would be unlikely to sell any or many of? And the answer comes, as it always does when I talk about pricing, in the form of beer. So this is some excellent research on anchor pricing done by Joel Huber and Christopher Pluto out of Duke University in the US. So they did some studies, the group of beer lovers, students, as you do, they gave them some options. The first study, they gave people two options, beer A, which was a bargain brand, and beer B. Now, they used fake brands so that they didn't have any of that brand loyalty effect. They just gave an indication of price and an indication of quality, and those two were correlated. Beer A, the bargain brand, lower quality, lower price. And they gave people this choice. Which of these beers would you prefer? When they gave them those two options, about a third chose option A, the bargain beer, and two thirds chose option B, the premium brand. And they said, okay, well, what's the next? So next they added option C. Now option C was an even worse beer. It was a lower price again and a lower quality again. They gave people these options. What do you think happened? The people who chose beer A, that bargain beer, increased enormously. And so the average price of the beer went down. They actually had 0% of the people in the study chose beer C. Nobody bought the real basement beer. However, the number of people who chose the bargain brand, beer A, went from 33% to 47%. From one in three to almost half of the people were comfortable buying that bargain brand when they had the anchor, the connection of an even cheaper beer. And this reminds me of a friend of mine who would always go out to dinner or go out to a bar. She didn't even need to look at the menu. She would just ask for the, the, a bottle of your second cheapest semi-sav blanc, please. Uh, the semi-savignon being uh, quite a decent little white wine, particularly if you get one from the, you know, the Marlborough region of New Zealand, a uh, cheeky little number. Uh, her mind, she was never going to buy the cheapest bottle of wine, but she didn't really need to look. She was just going to get the second cheapest wine. And that was the finding that happened with uh, the Anchor research. They put a really cheap beer in there. More people were happy buying the second cheapest option, even though previously they hadn't wanted a beer at that. The study then went one further and said, well, what if we, let's get rid of the basement. Let's add beer D. Let's add a super premium option. So now we're giving people a choice between A, the bargain beer, B, that premium brand, and 
Option D, the super premium brand. What they found was, in this instance, uh, about 10% of people upgraded, took the super premium option that was sitting there. Nobody took the bargain brand. And 90% of those surveyed were happy to take beer B, the premium brand. In this case, the anchor, the average price had gone up and gone up enormously. So have a look at what happened with beers A and B. Compared with just with each other, about a third of the people wanted the cheap beer. When you added a super cheap beer, that number went to about half. So once you had put a cheaper option in, people were happy to buy the cheaper brand. When you gave them a slightly different choice, when you anchored their mind with this super premium brand, some people, yes, absolutely did take that. But that number of people who bought the bargain beer went from one third when it was one of two options, went to half when it was the middle option, went to zero when it was the lowest priced option. So what does that mean for your business? What does that mean for pricing? What did that mean for my photography studio? Because I sent them that specific research. I put the Anchor Hero product back in. I put the high priced option back on the wall, not because I thought we were going to sell any of that super premium, but just because by anchoring the prices at that high level, we shifted the whole focus up. People would look at that and say, I'm not gonna spend that much money. However, the pricing of the mid-range products suddenly looked much more affordable. By putting the lower cost pricing products into the business and getting rid of that hero product, of course the average basket size had gone down and that's why it had continued to go down after the initial recession. By trying to do an introductory product, a little bit of a loss leader, the owner had inadvertently anchored the price lower. By putting the hero product back in, we anchored the price higher and within eight months, by putting that hero product back in and you know a lot of other variables, work that we were doing, but the average basket size had actually gone back to those 2007 levels. So what was the most valuable lesson that I took out of this case study? For me, it was actually not that anchoring. Uh, the most valuable lesson for me was that this business owner had data. We could hypothesize. I had an hypothesis that if we did X, then we would expect Y to happen. If we put the hero product back in, we would expect the average basket size to increase. We run the experiment, we check the results, and then we either change the hypothesis or we pat ourselves on the back and we find the next one. Marketing is always a game of test and measure. This is especially the case during the transformation of a recession, when the market you thought you knew is going to change underneath your feet. So if you don't have data, you're just putting your finger in the wind. This business owner had the data. He could show me that average basket size, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, so that we could say, we believe doing X will give Y, we did X, and we could see the outcome. If you don't have that data, then that's going to give you a challenge when it comes to some of the strategies. And if nothing else, right now at the plan phase of this recession, finding a way to get that data, and I have some specialists that I'm more than happy to recommend or give referrals to. Now, if you liked this conversation, if you liked the pricing conversation, then I'm going to put links, the YouTube page, Spotify, and on jacobaldridge.com to two other videos where we dive deeper into pricing and pricing strategies. Blackboard Fridays, episode 85, and Don't Waste a Good Recession, episode two. 
We jump into pricing and specifically pricing in a recession. Of course, if you really want some support around pricing, let me know. I'm more than happy to come in and have a look at your business. So how many countries are there in Africa? More or less than five? Have you got the exact number? The correct answer is 54. So I'm going to have a guess. I'm going to say you probably guessed lower than that. The physicist Leonard Molando uses this as an exercise. I didn't invent this one. I've, I've stolen it off Leonard. He shows how easily we can be manipulated. He asks groups, how many countries are there in Africa? Exactly the same question. But beforehand, he preps the group in two ways. For half of them, he asks, like I did, if they think it's more or less than five. Of course, everyone says it's more than five, gets that half right. For the other half, he asks, is it more or less than 180 countries in Africa? And of course, everybody knows that it's fewer than 180 countries. But by putting those numbers, the five and the 180, he anchors their mindset. Uh, at Google, for example, where he did this, those anchored with the low number guessed an average of 30 countries. In Africa, those anchored with the high number guessed 65. Just by putting that first silly question, more than five or fewer than 180, he managed to wildly change the average from 30 countries to 65, twice as many, all other things being equal. Your mind is easily manipulated, especially when it comes to numbers. And that, of course, has an impact on how you perceive pricing and value. Don't use that to manipulate your audience. But if you use that to understand your clients, your customers, then like the photography studio business owner in the UK during a recession, you can take a product that you don't even expect to sell any of, but use that to increase the price and the average sale of your customers even going through a recession.